the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time once again for another look into God's infallible book, and we want to welcome you to another broadcast of The Riches of Grace. My name is Richard Jordan. It's my privilege to be your Bible teacher and host each week as we meet together right here to look into the pages of the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to teach us through His Word. This program is brought to you by Christian people that believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and its authority in our lives. And our desire is to spend this time uh, with with the goal of helping you to understand and enjoy God's Word so that God's Word then can go to work in your life for His glory. God intends His Word to be life and light for you. The entrance of thy Word giveth light, gives understanding to the simple. Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And it's when your faith rests in an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you that the Spirit of God has the liberty and and the power to take that truth and energize your inner man, strengthen with his by His Spirit in your inner man, and give you a an inner um, strength and fortification. It's called comfort to fortify you in your inner man, so that regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in. Rather than seeking to have God come along and manipulate the circumstances so life is smooth for you, he gives you a capacity in your inner man, the excellency, the power of his word working in you, so that the truth of God's word and the truth of your identity in Christ and the truth of who God's made you in Christ can live in the circumstances of your life and demonstrate the will, the power, and the working of God's word, regardless of outward circumstances, to give you that absolute victory that God has provided for you through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. Well, we're going to look again today and and continue on with the study that we've been doing the last couple of weeks. We've looked at the issue of of Pentecost and the day of Pentecost and what happened on the day of Pentecost. And I've tried to say to you and show you in the Scripture that Pentecost and the events surrounding uh, Pentecost and the early Acts period, the early part of the book of Acts, that's simply not us. That has nothing to do with what God is doing today in the dispensation of grace. And rather than than the book of Acts being a, a pattern uh, for you and me to follow today, as as I realize that most of of, of Christendom kind of falls into that kind of a of a of a uh, of, of an estimation, but rather than constituting a pattern for us uh, to follow in the dispensation of grace, the Book of Acts explains. It's a book of transition. It explains why the program that began in its early chapters has passed away. And what the book of Acts does is confirm the declaration of the epistles of the Apostle Paul uh, that the fulfillment of prophecy 
has, for the present, given way to the unfolding of a secret plan a called the mystery, the secret plan and purpose of God. That's why Peter in Acts chapter 2 and 3 talks about that which is spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. And that's when you come to the book of Romans, Paul begins to preach Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. If there's a program that was preached about, prophesied, and talked about since the world began, what Peter talked about in Acts 2 and 3, and there's another program that was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, that's what Paul talks about, you can understand... I mean, this isn't rocket science. You can know, just take Acts 3.21 and Romans 16.25 and 26 and compare them. And you'll see, without any question, that they are not the same. What's going on in the Pentecostal era, the early Acts period, is not us. It's not us because it was not a secret. And the purpose that God has today is a secret. It was the continuation of Israel's prophetic program. Peter says these are the last days, the last days of Israel's prophetic program. They're not the first days of anything, much less the body of Christ. Israel was not fallen at Pentecost. There was a church already in existence at Pentecost. No, no church got, got established or started on the day of Pentecost. The program that was in operation at Pentecost is absolutely different from the program that you come in, come to when you come to the epistles of the Apostle Paul. And that's why, and people talk about the baptism of the Spirit of the day of Pentecost, Jesus baptized Israel with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But the body of Christ, it's not Jesus baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. Paul says in the body of Christ, is by one Spirit are we all baptized into the, into the body of Christ. I mean, in one, Jesus baptizes people with the Holy Spirit. The other uh, program, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are not the same baptisms. Beside, it's just too clear in the Scripture that the dispensation of grace was revealed to and through the Apostle Paul, and that the body of Christ began with Paul, not Pentecost. So, we've been through all that. I'm trying to I just review that real quickly in your mind so, so that... Somebody that's listening today for the first time and hears me say Pentecost isn't for us, they immediately think, I, you know, I fell off the, uh, the, the uh, church pew and landed on my head and hadn't come to yet. <laughs> I understand it sounds different, doesn't it? But when you look at the verses, it doesn't just sound different. It's, uh, it, it turns out to be true. The Bible isn't hard to understand. The Bible's hard to believe because more often than not, the Bible will, will contradict what you thought it was supposed to teach. And you see, we have to be con- interested in not what we presume the Bible to teach, but what does it actually teach? Well, if Brother Rick, if that's all so clear, then why is it that so many people want to hang on to Pentecost if it isn't us? If Pentecost is a Jewish feast day, and it was, if it was a part of the prophetic program that's not the body of Christ, Why do people want to hang on to it? Well, I'll give you two real quick reasons. One is that people simply want to be Israel. Israel's God's chosen nation, his chosen people. Did you know that over 200 times in the King James Bible, the God of the Bible, the God of creation, says, I am the God of Israel. He never says that about another nation. He never says that about another religion. He doesn't say it about Islam. He doesn't say it about Christianity. The God of the Bible 
never says he's anybody's God except the God of Israel. Over 200 times he says that. Now, if you want the God of the Bible to be your God, who do you think you probably might want to be? (laughs) Well, it makes sense. People want to be Israel. They want to claim Israel's blessings. They want the spiritual gifts that God gave Israel. Psalm 74, verse 9, the psalmist says, We see not our signs. You see, the Jews require a sign. And God gave signs and wonders in the Bible for Israel. And they said, those belong to us. So if you want one of the sign gifts, for example, if you want the tongue-talking gift, or the gift of healing, or the gift of knowledge, or any of the other spiritual gifts, read them in 1 Corinthians 12. If you want any of those gifts, they belong to Israel. So if you want to have some of those gifts, who do you need to be? You see, that's why people get caught up in trying to be Israel. They say, we want health and wealth. Well, if you want health, Pentecost is a good place to go because in Acts 3, Peter heals a lame man. Now, by the way, if you want wealth and prosperity, Pentecost is not the place to go. You remember what Jesus told them in Luke chapter 18? He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. In the Great Commission, Jesus told his apostles, don't take any script, don't take any money, don't take up collections. Acts chapter 3, that explains why Peter and John would look at the lame man and say, silver and gold have I none. They didn't mean, you know, we just don't have any money on us. They meant they didn't have any money of their own. Why is that? Well, in Acts 2, they all sold their possessions, laid them at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made according to the necessity of the saints. You see, they took seriously what Jesus said when he said, sell what you have and give it to the poor. They took Luke twelve thirty three seriously, and they did it. Why? Because it was filled with the Spirit of God who caused them to walk in his statutes. So to claim Pentecost is to claim too much, isn't it? <laughs> See, you already figured out when the people that preach health, they also preach wealth. But to get the wealth part, you've got to go back into the book of Deuteronomy and Isaiah. You've got to go back into the Old Testament. You can't come to Pentecost because during the Pentecostal era, being wealthy was a bad thing. You know how much you had to give up? You know how much you had to give under the law of Moses? Well, you gave 10%, a tithe. In fact, you actually gave 23% because you gave two tithes, and, and then every third year, you gave another tithe. But under the kingdom program, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know how much you had to give? All of it. Woo, 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, see, you. Now, but like I said, people like to. What people do is they, they, they go here, they go there, they pick and choose. They got something they want, they go find a verse, and I got it. And that's, you know, you don't do that. That's, that's, on, that's on you. But the burden that that puts upon your, your heart, because when you, you know, when you're dancing and prancing, and everybody's watching it and you're faking it till you make it, that's, okay. that, that, that's a good show. Fair show in the flesh. But when you have to look at your heart before God, you know, you lay your head on the pillow at night and it's just you and the Lord, and you talk to him and you look up at him and you look inward to him and you say, where's the reality of this? I've been, I've been, I've been feigning it. I've been, I've been trying to make it. But Lord, I need the reality. We have a man in our assembly. He talked about being in a church one time where the the blessing would come down the aisle and come down the pew. People at the pew, they'd get it, they woo, jump up and shout. Next person get it, woo, 
jump up and shout. When it came to him, it just jump over him. And the person on the other side of him would get it, whoo, jump up and shout. And he said, I thought there's something wrong with me because I never got the blessing. You know what was wrong with him? He was honest. He wouldn't, he wasn't help, he wasn't there. He, he thought God was supposed to do it. He didn't know he was supposed to help him out. You see the people jumping up and down with it. They help God out. You know, we'll help him out. We'll, we'll, we'll help him out till he gives it to us. So, well, okay. But if you ever got honest like Billy is and said, you know, Lord, if you don't do this, it ain't going to get done. Then you sit there and you begin to think, oh, maybe there's something wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with your doctrine. So people want to hang on to Pentecost because they, they want to be Israel because they want to get Israel's blessings. Or maybe they just want to justify their own religious rights. You know, the greatest, the great religious right of Christendom, probably the, the greatest, is water baptism. And if you want to hang on to water baptism, you've got to hang on to Pentecost. John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So on the day of Pentecost, they're baptized with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Spirit, speaking tongues, his Spirit gave him utterance. And then he also says, repent and be baptized, everyone, if you're in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. But once again, that proves too much. Because in Acts 2, verse 40, he says in the next breath, save yourselves from this underworld generation. Well, that's what Jesus told him in the Mark 16 commission. He says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. See, Peter wasn't making stuff up on the day of Pentecost. He's doing what God told him to do. And you say, well, but what about the what about the fill of the Spirit? Well, that's when they went down. Keep reading Acts chapter two, verse forty and forty one and forty two and forty three and forty four and forty five, and you'll see that they took all their possessions and they sold them and they laid the, the the money at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made to the necessity of the saints, just like Luke chapter twelve. Jesus said, "Fear not, little flock; it's your Father's give you good pleasure to give you the kingdom." Sell what you have and give alms. Give it to the poor. <laughs> and they did it. Why? Because that was their program. So you see, if you want to be Israel, it, 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 it proves too much. If you want to justify your rites and rituals at Pentecost, that proves too much. It's better just to realize Pentecost did it in us. Now somebody says, okay, Brother Rick, well, wait a minute. What about, and there's always what abouts. You ever notice that? Anything you teach, anything you say, there's somebody going to say, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, but what about? And there, I've scoured the literature, the writings, the preaching of preachers, theologians, Pentecostals, and, and otherwise for, for decades, looking for the reasons that they believe the body of Christ began on the day of Pentecost. And I, I can condense them down to about six or seven fundamental reasons. Some make no sense at all. Some make sense, and I can understand how they could be confused about it. The first verse I'd, I would show you is Acts chapter 11, verse 15. Now, this, this is the best verse that I know of to prove that something began on the day of Pentecost. It's the best verse that I know of that nobody else knows about. I've been teaching what I'm teaching to you today uh, on the radio, on the television, in public, on the pulpit, and on street corners, in missions and Bible conferences for five decades. I'm an old dude. I have never 
in all those decades, had anybody that wanted to begin the body of Christ on the day of Pentecost use this verse on me. And yet this is the best verse if you wanted to use a verse. Now, I don't want to give the opposition ammunition. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. But look at Acts chapter 11, verse 15. Peter has been been sent by the Lord to Cornelius' house. He didn't want to go. But the Lord said, hey, go. Pete said, well, whom I to withstand God? So he went. Well, after the Holy Spirit fell on the, the Cornelius and his household, on the Gentiles there, Pete had to go back and explain himself to the saints at Jerusalem, the Pentecostal saints back at Jerusalem. And here's what he said to them, Acts 11, verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Now listen, as on us at the beginning. Now, if I wanted to prove the body of Christ, the dispensation of grace, began at Pentecost, I'd say, see, Brother Rick, it says, at the beginning. That means Pentecost was the beginning. Something new actually, in fact, did begin at Pentecost. But the question is, what? What began at Pentecost? Well, he tells you, it fell on us as, it fell on them as on us, at the beginning, what happened in Acts 2 to the Pentecostal church? Peter says, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. He'll, in the latter, he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Peter tells you, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking his spirit gave him utterance, that what's going on in the day of Pentecost is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Therefore, conclusively, based on the testimony of God the Holy Spirit, what began at Pentecost was not an unprophesied program because it was the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. What happened on the day of Pentecost is the inauguration, the beginning of the new covenant. Do you remember, turn with me to John chapter 7, do you remember Hebrews chapter 9 verse 17? If you're a regular listener, you know that verse because I reference it quite often. Hebrews 9.17 says that a testament is a force after the death of the testator. The new covenant could not begin until after the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 7, verse 38. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Spirit has said, out of his belly shall, shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Holy Spirit could not be given to the believers until after the cross, because first you had to have the, the new covenant. The, the, Jesus said, this is my, my blood, is the blood of the New Testament. You had to have the death of the testator. After that, then you could begin the operating of the new covenant, which was to take his spirit and write it in them. So what began on the day of Pentecost was the inauguration, the beginning of functioning of the new covenant. Now that's what Ezekiel 36 says. The empowerment that took place on the day of Pentecost was the empowerment of the new covenant. That's what began to happen. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25, he said, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. 
from all the filthiness and, and from all your idols. Well, I cleanse you. That was the purpose of the, of the, the baptism of repentance for the mission of sins, to wash away the sins of their idolatry. A new heart also, Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. You see, that's why they spake as the Spirit gave them utterance. He put his spirit in them, and he caused them to do that. So what began on the day of Pentecost was not a new unprophesied program. It was the next significant step in Israel's prophesied program. That's why Hebrews 2, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God bearing them witness with signs, wonders, miracles of, which, which, of the Holy Ghost, which he did by them. You see, that early Pentecostal era had that new they had the inauguration of that new testament and what began there was simply that next important step in the prophetic program where now the new testament is inaugurated the cross work is done the holy spirit's come and by the way that's what the baptism with the spirit in acts 2 is all about probably the single greatest reason that people say that Pentecost is the beginning of the body of Christ is because that was because they were baptized with the Spirit. But you know that's probably one of the greatest reasons not to believe that Pentecost is the body is the beginning of the body of Christ. Hebrew, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter three verse eleven. John the Baptist said, "I baptize you with water." When the Messiah comes, he, the Messiah, is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter one verse four and five. Jesus tells them, you tarry in Jerusalem, because not many days hence, you're going to be baptized, like John said, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Who did John say was going to baptize them with the Holy Ghost? He said, the Lord Jesus Christ would. So Christ ascends into heaven, and then he pours out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He sent forth this which you now see and hear, Peter said. So on the day of Pentecost, they're baptized by Jesus with the Holy Spirit. But now you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. I mean, go read it. I mean, some folks read it and choke on it because it doesn't say what Matthew 3.11 or Acts 1 says. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says, For by one Spirit, not by the Lord Jesus Christ, by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. What body? The body of Christ, verse 27. In other words, at Pentecost, Jesus baptized Israel with the Holy Spirit. In the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit baptizes the believer into the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you can't see the difference in that, you're blind in one eye and can't see out of the other. <laughs> I mean, if you can't see that, you've got to want to not see that to not see that. Well, you see the, the whatabouts. What about it's the beginning? No, it's the beginning of the next. It's the beginning of another step in the prophetic program. What about the spirit baptism? It's exactly what the spirit baptism is in the day of Pentecost. That's why you know it's not us, because on, at Pentecost they're baptized by Jesus with the Spirit, and the body of Christ you're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we'll continue. I've got four or five more things like that to talk with you about next time. I look at the clock and I see that i got to go. Well, maybe you're happy and I have to go. <laughs> maybe you're not. I don't know. Let me give you a free Bible study.
resource. I make these on purpose, just like I make this radio program. You're not just listening to something I did somewhere else or some of our normal meetings. I come and make this program because I just want to talk directly to you and uh, and talk to you about the Scripture, just, just, just us. And I made this study, Why Pentecost Isn't Us, just for our radio audience. But can I tell you, you need to be you need to be interested in serious Bible study. Uh, if you're not, well, save yourself some time and us some some of the Lord's money, and don't order the, don't request the the Bible study. But if you are, if you want to see what the Bible actually says about these issues, and how right division can clear up the confusion and give light and understanding, well, then you call us and get a free copy of this Bible study. Why Pentecost isn't us. You call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That number, again, is 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. You can also look us up on the Internet at graceimpact.org, graceimpact.org. That's how you can check us out. You can uh, see who we are, what we're about. And most importantly, you can access a, a host of free Bible study material designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. That's graceimpact.org. And by the way, you can access archives of this broadcast, of our daily Bible Time radio broadcast, as well as our weekly television program, Forgotten Truths, on the website. It's all there. All of this along with written Bible studies, conference messages. Everything is designed to help you to understand and enjoy the Bible. There's a lot of goodies uh, to help you at graceimpact.org. One thing when you're at the website you might look at is the information about Grace School of the Bible. That's our three-year Bible Institute program. If you've ever if you've ever desired to really genuinely be a serious student of the Word of God, if you want to be a perfected saint who can do the work of the ministry, not just a 90-day wonder, not just somebody that gets plugged into a job and they don't know what they're all about, but to have the Word of God work effectually in you because it's gotten a, it's it's gotten that that uh, uh, that you've got that edification process, that perfecting process of the Word done in your heart. If that's where your your desire is, well, Grace School of Bible is something you ought to consider because it was designed just with you in mind. It's available on an extension basis. First of all, you don't have to come to us. We'll send the school to you, and you can you can take the school in the con- context of your own scheduling demands, your own family, your own life through the use of video. The key to the school, however, is not the delivery system. The key to the school is that the curriculum in the school is based on the design set forth by the Apostle Paul for the for the perfecting, for the maturing uh, of, of a believer. If a perfected saint is to do the work of the ministry, then you need to be a perfected saint. You're not going to become a perfected saint by being a 90-day wonder. You're not going to pro- become a perfected saint by being trained in the denominational and religious system that, uh, that, that men have developed, you need to follow the divine design set forth in Paul's epistles. And the Curriculum Grace School of the Bible uniquely follows that design. Check it out, graceimpact.org. And my friend, can I tell you, if you're still not sure that you have eternal life as a present possession, that all of your sins are forgiven, if you're not confident of that, absolutely sure of that, 
why don't you call the uh, call our number, 888-535-2300, and tell the folks that answer the phone that you need to know for sure. There's some folks that will sit with an open Bible and share with you the, the wonderful message of God's wonderful grace so that you can be confident that all of your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life as a present possession. Everything starts right there in the Christian life. 888-535-2300, that's the number to call for information. Thanks for being with us today. It's always a joy to have you fellowship with us as we're here. Hope you're making it a habit to be with us each week. Tell, tell a friend about the, our, our study together and get them listening in will, with you, will you? And until we meet this same time next week right here, Maranatha. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.